discuss the ins, discuss the outs, and let's talk about, let's talk about, let's talk about. Hey, my name is Fergal Curtis, I'm an artist, and yes, COVID-19 has thrown a few spanners in the works when it comes to being an artist in Ireland. Hashtag Save the Arts has been trending over the last few months as many artists' careers have been shaken up. The arts have never been more important during a time of uncertainty. However, not everyone sees it like that. And are the artists who've been entertaining you for the last few months really being supported? I've started this podcast to bring together a diverse group of artists from different backgrounds and get their take on being an artist during these very strange times. We're going to talk about how the arts are viewed in Ireland, what support is out there during these times, as well as the artists' personal experiences and their views on the future of the arts. So let's get to it. Let's talk about the arts. I have been a fan of my guest today for quite some time. I first became aware of this powerhouse performer many years ago as part of the Dragged Up team. Stunning, charismatic and creative. My guest today is drag performer Paul Ryder. Although I first became a fan of Paul as a drag performer, little did I know this was only a part of his creative output. Along with being a drag performer, he also shines brightly as a choreographer, MC and TV personality. In 2018, myself and a friend, Ross, went to see our maid Emily in the Cheerios Panto. And of course, as a stable part of the Cheerios Panto, artistic director and choreographer Paul dazzled on stage a sparkle. I sat next to what I thought was the biggest Paul Ryder fan out there. Beaming with pride, this youngster gave the loudest cheer when Paul came out for his bow. It definitely won the battle against myself and Ross's cheer for Emily. Sorry, Emily. After the show, I learned this young man was not only Ryder's biggest fan, but his cousin, and was also sat next to Ryder's man, who, although quieter than his cousin, also beamed with pride. I got to meet Paul that night at the after show party, and after meeting him, I became a bigger fan. A fabulous queen on stage, and a charming and humble gent off stage. Since then, I've worked with a couple of people who know Paul well, and true to my first meeting with him, they all speak with the highest regard for him. Maybe it was written in the stars when he was the first queen to bring drag race girls to Ireland way back when he emceed at the Dragon, but it is clear his hard work and ambition has seen his star continue to rise since his breakout performance on Ireland's Got Talent in 2018. As well as his growing resume, he also owns his own dance school, Proud Dance Academy where he is inspiring the next generation of talent, not only with his work ethic, but also with his passion for dance. I am delighted to welcome Ireland's very own drag ringmaster, Paul Ryder. Hello. That was the nicest thing. <laughs> and I swear to God, I don't know whether it's because I'm slightly hungover today or because I've, I've, I, this is the first podcast I've done in so long, but that actually nearly brought a tear to my, to Aww, my stomach. Thank Seriously, you. that was, that was probably the nicest thing. Any, like that really got me. Oh my Aww. God. I'd love you to kind of take us through your journey as an artist before we get into the doom and gloom of COVID-19. How did you become the artist you are today? Where did it start? You know, what opportunities, any, anything. 
This I, is the bit I get to sit back and listen. <laughs> I am a stage school brat. So okay. I started off, I was, I think I was like eight or nine when I started to want to perform. And like my friend, my family would have friends over, like they'd have dinner parties and I'd stand in the kitchen and, and I'd mm-hmm. do the Spice Girls or I'd do whatever and I'd perform. And eventually my, my, my dad said to me like, this is something you want to do. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I really want to do it. So they sent me to the Helen Jordan Stage School. Okay. Uh, which would have been like Billy Barry's kind of like nemesis at the time. I was one of the only boys because obviously in that time years ago, there would have been boys or ten a penny. Like you'd literally yeah. have one boy per class, if that. Um, and because I was the only boy, I got so much opportunity. I was always at the front. The teachers mm-hmm. always liked me. Um, even though I was a sassy little gay kid, the teachers always liked me. And it grew from there. I started doing pantomimes with Twink and I would do like musicals and different like adverts. I was like any gig I'll do. Like now you'd be sent by your agent yeah. who was Helen at the time. And you'd always love when you'd hear your mouth phone to Helen because she'd be like, oh my God, I'm going to get some. This oh is my it. God, this, this is, is my it. moment. Oh my God. And my first ever audition was to do Les Mis. Um, um, when it came to the, the Point Theatre the at point, the time. yes. And I'd never been to an audition because I was a boy, so I was always just handed stuff. So it was like, oh, Paul will do Fair City or Paul will do this extra work and la yeah, la okay. So I loved it. And then I got to do the audition, thought to myself, oh my God, I'm going to be on the West End. I'm going to be in the Point. I'm going to be in Les Miserables. I can barely say the word, but I'm going to sing this song. <laughs> uh, walked into the audition and there was like a lineup of like 20 boys all in one big line. And I was like, who are all these boys and where did they come from? Disgusted. I am the only boy who dances. <laughs> in idiot. all of Ireland. In, in the whole of the world. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I got cut in the first go. I barely had a line now. And your okay. man just went to me, you can go now. And I was like, oh my God. Like the devastation. The reality. The reality, the reality slapped of... me so hard across the face. What age were you then? I think I would have been, I think I would have been like nine or ten. Okay. And yeah, then it just kind of kept going from there. And I would do gigs. I'd do Panto every Christmas. I would do a gig during the summer with Helen. And I always wanted that little bit more. And I kind of started to find like my homosexuality. And I started to kind of yeah. know that I was gay and stuff like that. And then I started teaching. So I was like, I started like doing like teaching assistant for a different schools kind of around around Ireland. And like I said, I was yeah. doing, it for, doing it for free around Dublin, not around Ireland, uh, doing it for free, happy to do it. And I just found this, this love of teaching and I found this love of choreography and to create something and yeah. to put it together. And then that kind of led me towards being like 16, 17. And that's when I started to go out and that's when I first started seeing drag and I was like, okay. I want to, I want to be on that stage. I want to do something with that. So at 17, I started to choreograph for Davina Devine, who yes. is one of Ireland's superstar drag queens. Of She's course. an absolute gem. Yeah. Um, and I started to be her choreographer and dancer. And I was dancing with her for years and years and years and okay. having an absolute ball. And we, like I was her first choreographer ever. She'd never really worked with anyone before. Was she in the game quite a while? She was in you... the game. Yeah, she'd been in the game, I'd say about three or four years. I think she'd done okay. AMI at this stage. She'd done AMI the year before right. I started working with her. Yeah. So she would have danced then. And then she wanted somebody full time to kind of come in and do some routines and stuff like that. So yeah. get to know how uh, she moves. And yeah. Stuff like that. And, yeah. And we had, a, we had a lot of fun and it was nice to be behind somebody else and kind of you know watching watching her do her thing and she's such a social butterfly that I think that's where I kind of picked up a load of that because you'd watch her on a night out and she'd literally just go from person to person to person to person and chat 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 and I'd go oh my god it's like she's she's a proper little superstar yeah and then I was I start I was there was a singing competition in the George and it was stars in your eyes and I had done it for like two years and never won and then on this this year uh the year 
the, the, the third year, say. Yeah. I was doing it and I was trying to promote myself. I was trying to get on all the other gigs in the George and be like, can I promote myself so I can, you know, win this show? And I was dancing for Davina on one of the other shows and a queen backed out. And Veda, who would have been the queen at the time, went, you sing, don't you? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, well, why don't you get a backing track and you can take her spot and I'll pay you. So you can just sing. And I was like, well, I've no real clothes. She was like, you look fine. Wear what you're wearing for Davina's dance. And I was like, okay. So I sang, I think I sang a Will Young song and I loved it. Wow. I loved it. I absolutely just loved being on stage. I loved being, I'd been on stage, but like in a different guise, I think. Yeah. And as well as that, at that 17, 18 kind of time, there was no gigs around. There was dancers weren't, dancers weren't working full time. Mm-hmm. If you weren't teaching, you were working at Christmas or you were doing a summer cabaret. There was no other opportunity. Yeah. For me, I saw with drag, there was a show on every single night. There was entertainment happening in a gay bar every single night. So this was an avenue that could see me hone a craft like week in, week out and not have to worry about what gig was coming next. Yeah. So did the, did the Veda show and ended up loving it. And I thought to myself, I really want to do this more. But I knew that I wasn't getting the attention that a drag queen would get because everyone fawned over drag queens. People, okay. they were the biggest superstars in the world, like in a gay bar. They were the the social butterflies. They Everyone wanted to be their friend and everyone wanted to be up there with them. So I thought to myself, well, if I can't beat them, I'll join them. But I knew that I didn't want to join them. I didn't want to do the boobs. I didn't want to do a wig. I wanted to be some 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 something different to what was already out there. Okay, And that's when... <clears throat> I came up with the the ringmaster because I thought everyone loves a circus. So yes. why not do that? And that's 10 years ago. And over the years, I've honed the craft. I, I've I've done the gigs. I've kind of slaved it away. And it's it stuck to me. I think the, 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 the side of the ringmaster, it's something that I kind of only do once a year with the ringmaster's drag race, which is like mm-hmm. my drag competition. Um, but I just... I've honed it now. I know what it is. I found it. But in saying that, I was about to give it up just before Ireland's Got Talent. Because, oh, wow. Because drag for me wasn't fun anymore. I wasn't getting the work. I wasn't okay. being taken serious by my peers. Um, yeah. Like, like there's, a, there's a look of shock on your face. But yeah. seriously, people were not taken. I was still working, but like, I wouldn't get a foot in the door of the George. I wouldn't get a foot in the door of Panty Bar. I'd get the odd gig here and there. But I re- really, really wasn't being taken seriously. Maybe it could have been my attitude. I've not always been the nicest person. Okay. Um, but I've I've changed that in the last three years. I've really worked on myself. And again, I worked on myself because I found a newfound success. I think my biggest problem the whole time was that I wasn't happy with myself because I wasn't doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ireland's Got Talent came about and... I went on that stage and I just said to myself, okay, just do it. Just just do it. Get out there and do it. And it went really well. It yes, went really, we really know. well. And yeah. the the that was when I said, I ain't giving this up. There's a there's life in the old girl yet, and I'm going to yeah. really, really push it through. And really kind of focused on myself. Like I said, over the last three years, I've I've calmed myself down. I don't take myself so seriously. Mm-hmm. I take my work seriously, but I don't take myself so seriously. I think that's a big thing to have in this industry because Huge. we're all giant big clowns wearing wigs and makeup and dresses and all the rest of it. So you just need to remember that. Yeah. Um, and Amazing. I'm lucky that I've got 
There's so many strings to the bow, like the bits of TV, the bits of radio, the drag. Was that always part of what you were doing or did that come from when Ireland's Got Talent? That came from Ireland's Got Talent. Right. Um, the MC work was there. Yeah. Uh, but you you were finding that brands wanted to, wanted to get in touch, like proper mm. people that I was using. I was like, oh my God, that, why are they mailing me? Um, yeah. And then obviously with the mainstream of, of Drag Race becoming so mainstream and then going on Ireland's Got Talent. And actually I owe, I owe shit loads to Michelle Visage because... She okay. went in interviews and said, drag is not just what you see on Drag Race. Drag is Paul Ryder. Drag is Panty Bliss. Drag is... And she named these different people. And that really saved my career. That really, really wow. saved my life because she then opened the ears of other people to listen and say, oh, actually, what Paul is doing is reputable. And mm-hmm. he is a drag performer. He might not wear wigs and do whatever, but he is a, he's a drag queen at best. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So I owe so much to that because that experience then opened the minds up to everybody to see that drag can be whatever you want it to be. Yes. Um, and that's then kind of opened a shed, shed load of doors for me to continue to continue working and to, con- to continue doing what I love, I suppose. Yeah. And that's amazing. And I love that you hear so many people going, I was going to give it up. This was the last hurrah. And then it just kind of happens. Yeah. And it's almost like, yeah, it was meant to be. And you just needed to get to a point of almost throwing caution to the wind and being like, I'm just going to go for it. And that's what I always try to remind myself is like, just try to get to that point to always just go for it because you never know. Yeah, I think, I think there is a case of caution to the wind with that experience. And because Ireland's Got Talent approached me, they had seen me perform at Limerick Pride. And I tell you, just a little backstory, I'd come out of a really, really bad relationship. Okay. um, That, to say that was... That would have been May, June. I'd kind of come out of a really, really shitty relationship with somebody from Limerick. Um, I was at my my lowest. Yeah. I really was at a point suicidal because I just couldn't, I couldn't grab myself back together again. I was finding it really hard yeah. to deal with the, what I'd been through in, in the two years of, of being with that person. And I had been booked to perform at Limerick Pride. So obviously a small town, everyone knows everybody. So everyone knew that we'd broken up and he obviously still lived there. He had a business there. Um, and going back to do Limerick Pride was probably the toughest moment in the kind of the coming weeks after we broke up because you have mm-hmm. to re-see that person. And it really had ended so, so yeah. badly that I couldn't bear to see him. And you don't know how to act. You don't know whether to be like, I'm going to be uber confident or if you're going to be like, I'm going to wear my heart in my sleeve. Hey, you just don't know what to do in those situations. But the funnier thing the funnier thing about it was because I was so scared I was hiding I they they'd booked my hotel room I'd checked in I was hiding I'd made sure that the, the guy at the hotel knew not to send anyone up to my room I had my two dancers with me I'd also brought a friend down as security as yeah. like as somebody to be with in case anything kicked off because I really needed that that help and that support mm-hmm. and anxiety was through the roof arrived at the gig they brought me in a back door they they set me up nicely I was I was happy and when I say I gave everything in that performance. I had three songs. I brought the dancers. I brought the whole caboodle, all the show. Um, and I gave it my all. And I think I saw that person once in a smoking area and that was it. I got to run away and we had a good night and everything was kind of forgotten about then. Oh. And about a month later, I got a call from a girl called Jen Breen, who was a associate producer for Ireland's Got Talent. And she said, listen, I was at Limerick Pride and I think that Ireland's Got Talent could be for you. 
I said, no. I said, you're <laughs> mad. I said, get out get of here. Get out of here. Get the boat. <laughs> and she she said, oh, oh okay. <laughs> but even with Michelle Visage, I said, I've met Michelle. She's lovely. I said, but I've no interest, I said, in putting myself out there. I said, I'm just, wow, not, okay. just not for me. I said, I don't think, I don't think it's right. I was also so stressed in case I went out there and I fucked it up. Yeah. And, and then, then it's had, on tape forever. And then I had to face my peers who already didn't think that I was good at my craft. Mm-hmm. Um, so she phoned me four times, Jen Breen, phoned me four times and said to me, please, please, please. She said, what's it going to take for you to, to do this? I said, well, if you think I'm standing in a hotel room in Ballsbridge for 12 hours while you take shots of me in a crowd, I said, you've another thing coming home. Yeah. Because I had done the X Factor thing. They'd made the show of me. They had made me stand around in rooms in for like three years. They'd set you up going, you're going to, oh my God, they're going to love you. They're going to love you. They're going to love you. You walk into a room with producers, they go, not for us. No, you barely even get through half a song. And I said to myself, I'm too old, too tired and too talented to be putting myself through that again. So Jen said to me, look, these are the dates. Can you do them? I said, I'm actually on tour. I was on tour with the Heels of Hell tour, which was a drag race kind of related situation. Yeah. Um, And I said, I'm on tour. She goes, right, okay, well, look, we've spoken to the producers. They're happy for you to go straight to judges. But you'll okay, have to great. you'll have to film what you're going to do, and that was a whole other thing. I was like, "Oh God, filming what I'm going to do!" Well, Jesus Christ! They are asking me for far too much. <sighs> what do you want me to do? Give you the, the, the deeds on the house? <laughs> so eventually, I got it together, and Jen went, "Yeah, they loved it. They loved it. They loved it." But I never let my guard down because you always know with TV, they're there to make a TV show. They're not there. That's so true. They're not there for you. They're not there to whatever. But I knew that it was going in my direction. You know, with different things, like they're asking you to do this camera angle, they're asking you to do that camera angle. They're asking, mm. blah, blah, blah. So then I set foot on stage in front of the judges and the audience. And I, I, I like, I shook the whole time. And it didn't help that I was wearing like six inch heels and the floor was like slippy. Oh God. So we did the routine, killed it dead. And then, then you're, then it's a waiting game. You're literally just waiting to, to find out whether you're, you're through to the, the live shows and obviously got there. Yeah. Didn't get into the grand final. I know, which was quite a big thing for a lot of people. It was a huge yeah. thing. And you know what? I actually think that that's why I'm still working That's what today. I was going to ask. I was going to be like, do you think that it actually worked out better? I think it works so much better. Yeah. I'm still tagged as Ireland's Got Talent breakout star Paul Ryder on like different bits and bobs. And I take that title with, I, I don't care that I was sitting in a sitting room in Ballyferm eating meanies when the grand final was on. I'm so happy that that was the case. I was yeah. okay with that. Um, but yeah, I think that because everyone expected me to go to the final that night. Yeah. Um, and when it didn't happen, I just think that everyone was like, oh shit, okay. Um, and like I said, I actually just think that because the press picked it up as a story, because all the judges had said, Paul's going to be the wild card, Paul's going to be the wild card, Paul's going to be the wild card. Yeah. Including judges told me on the night that I was going to be there. Because I, I did watch this series because it was the first series. It was yeah. the first series, yeah. And I was yeah. like, oh yeah, he'll definitely be the wild card. Grand. Yeah, two, two, of the, two of the four judges had told me on the slide, and I won't name names, but they said, yeah. come here, we'll see you Saturday. Don't be stupid, you're going to be the wild card. And I was like, okay. So I geared myself up. And Jen Breen, oh, Jen, so it was hot. And that was the one moment of TV that I let my guard down. It was the one moment. Yeah. Jen Breen said to me, if I phone you by 12 o'clock on Thursday night, she said, you need to have a bag packed. You need to be ready to go into studio to rehearse for the live show on Saturday. So she said, you've got 48 hours to get your shit together. I knew what I was doing. I was doing little mixed power. I was riding awesome. in on, on, on a motorbike. Yes. The dragged up girls were going to come halfway through the, through the screens. Oh, and we were going to do a dance routine together. My kids were going to join me. It was going to be a big family affair. See what you missed out on. See what you missed Ireland's out on. Ireland's got talent. <laughs> um, and 
12 o'clock, the Thursday happened and I was yeah. sitting by the phone waiting, waiting, waiting. And at 2 a.m., Jen Brian said, text me and said, I'm really sorry, it's not you. And my heart broke. Oh. My heart broke. I can actually feel it from you. Yeah. I, like, I really was devastated. It was mm-hmm. the one thing that I'd said, don't let them get to you, don't let them get to you. And I let them get to me just in that moment. But I wrote a horrid text to Jen Brian. I was like, this is a disgrace. Da, da, da. Why did you set me up so bad? Not horrid. I didn't say anything bad. I just was like, I was looking for my answers. Yeah. And then I deleted it. I was like, no, get rid of that. You don't need that to be into the world. I yes. wished everyone the best of luck. And I went on my way. But little did I know that. And then the opportunity was over. That was, that was, it's like when you do a show, your gig is done, you move on to the next. Yeah. So I thought to myself, okay, I sat down. Then calls, like the, the Friday calls started to come in. Like weird calls from like, brands being like we'd love to work with you events saying we'd love to do this with you and I was like oh my god this this could be something I could actually yeah. this this might not be over just yet and that's just over three years ago and here I am today still working in in more avenues than what I was back then yeah. I've branched into a bit of TV work I've branched into a bit of radio work and I am the most blessed I'm the most happy I'm the most centred person that I think I've ever been bar lockdown and all that weirdness that of everyone's course. gone through yeah but other than that, I think I'm the happiest version of myself. And I think that's what I, that's what I wanted it to be mm-hmm. in the whole time. Amazing. I love that. I talk so long. No, sorry, I love I'm it. I'm so sorry. This is, this podcast has been amazing for me because I love listening to people. Okay. And I love talking as well, but I love <laughs> listening and I do get sucked in. Um, but let's jump into lockdown because that is yeah. why we're here. And the arts industry has been really affected. But I kind of want to know how it affected you as a performer. Um, and I'm really interested to get into like nightlife stuff and because that's not my jam. So I love hearing about something that I'm not associated with, yeah. with and how that has affected those kind of industries. But how did it affect you? So obviously we closed, everything closed down on the 12th of March. The schools closed, so I closed my, my stage school and I said, look, for two weeks, we'll be back in two weeks, we'll see you then. Mm-hmm. And I thought that because of the two weeks, it wasn't going to affect anything else. But I had just signed a deal to be the face of a well-known supermarket brand for a campaign that they were doing. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah, weirdly. I'd filmed the ad, we'd done the photo shoot, everything had been done, dusted. um, And we were organising the press trip. So we were organising to do the the campaign and and release it and all the rest of it. Uh, So much so, like I've got images of graphics and everything was was made up, my face on it, all this mad stuff. And then they, that was the first email that came in to say, due to COVID-19, we're having to put a hold on the campaign. Yeah. And I was like, okay, grand, look, two, two weeks, we'll be back to normal. And that email was followed in the days, like after that, that just everything just got wiped. I had a full summer of events. I had yeah. nightlife stuff, I had daytime stuff, I had TV stuff, and it all just went, it all just went away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of thought to myself, all right, grand, well, look, we'll be back by a certain time and then you can just get back out. We're back by Pride. I kept saying to me, to saying to myself, we'll be back by Dublin Pride. Yeah. And that's a good time for you to keep getting back out working. And here we are now in September and we're still, we're still crawling our way yeah, out, of, out of, out of it and onto uncertain ground. Um, the lockdown itself, I took at the start as like everybody, oh, this is a lovely break. Because I never, I had not, I hadn't had more than, four days off in three years. Since Ireland's Got Talent, I hadn't had more than four days off. Wow. My own 
I wanted that. I want to work. I always want to work. Never leave me idle. I'm the same. I'll do whatever you have. Any gig you have, I'll take it. Uh, and I think that as, as performers, that's what we do. Yeah, grafters. Grafters, that's it. You have to be a grafter in this industry. You have to want to do everything. Yeah. Um. So for the first two weeks, I was like, this is lovely now. I'll just sit and I'll catch up on my Netflix. And <laughs> You were like, I am chilling out. I'm chilling out. I'll, uh, the gym's closed. Giving so the skin I, a break. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was having a ball. And then as time kind of went on, you realise that, oh, wait, no. This is gonna this is go on, gonna go on a little bit longer than we think. And then my boyfriend, um, who's a healthcare worker, he okay. ended up being locked down in, in my house and he knew that he needed right. to he was based in Belfast, so he would travel back and forth to a hospital up there. But they obviously said to him, Look, if you need to decide whether you're gonna stay there or stay up here. Of so course. for the sake of our relationship, he stayed with me. So he then moved in with me. Um and he then went to work in a care home in Dublin, around the corner from my house. Amazing. So he was working 13 hour days, five, six days a week. Did that put restrictions on your movements as well? Or um, who uh, who else was in the house where you were you to vouch? My mom was there. Okay. So, and she she's 69, so she'd be a little bit older. So we were yeah. being careful with her. But Eddie's so careful. Like he was in hazmat suits. He was washing hands. He was, when we were going shopping, he was the one being like, wash your hands, wash that, do this, do this. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. And he was always safe. He was never really in close proximity with mom at all really we okay. kind of stayed in a, in, a, in a separate area of the house just for the sake of for the sake of yep. health and safety absolutely but him going to work and leaving me alone for that length of period that really messed with my health like a lot that, of thinking time too much thinking time yeah. and too much to get paranoid about too much to see on social media and too much to mm. worry about what other people were doing and what other people were thinking I was watching drag queens that were doing live shows and I was watching people that were working and I was going why aren't, why aren't you doing this what what is wrong with you that you're not trying to do it? And you'd get paranoid and you'd get, I got into myself and my mental health was affected and I really yeah. got like down days. There was like three days that I went, there's a dark cloud over me and I just can't see it going away. And I really, really, yeah. really struggled. In saying that, if it hadn't have been for my boyfriend and, and having him there, I don't think I would have possibly survived the lockdown as well as I as well as I did. Okay. I think that the mental health would have been really tough on my own with no friends and only my mom to to talk to. Do you know what I mean? I think I yeah. would have really, really suffered that. So having Eddie there was an absolute like just a joy and a, such a lifesaver because we're in a new relationship. We're only together ten months. Okay. So right. it was kind of that like okay. And you both seem very loved up. Oh my god. Yeah. I love the bones of him. He makes me want to be a better person. And Amazing. for the first time in my life, there's no there's no hidden agenda behind it. I'm not hiding behind abuse. I'm not hiding behind negativity. I'm not turning around mm. and I'm not turning around and going, Yeah, everything's great, I love him, and then going home and us and it being really awful. What you lying to everyone and lying to yourself. Lying to everyone really. and lying to yourself. Yeah. And I've been there and I've done that for the first time in my life I am so content and so happy and I've got somebody who supports me and oh god I'm gonna cry oh, <laughs> oh, oh my god that's okay cry if you want us to edit it out we can no that's so mad oh my god uh, for the first time in my life I've got somebody who supports me wholeheartedly and doesn't make a judgement of me and oh my god that's so weird I love it doesn't make a judgment of me and he stands by everything I do and guides me in the right way. And he's he's 27, I'm 33. And okay. he, like, he's the best person I've ever met in my life. He's not only my partner, he's my best friend. Oh my oh God. Oh my God. He sounds amazing. He is. He's, he's, a, he's a genuine person. Yeah, he's he a genuine sounds like you have, you've found that person. I, I've I, I found the man I want to spend the rest of my life with. Do you, Absolutely. Think, do you think that comes from, um, 
you having found yourself. Yes. You've just, you've literally just nailed it on the head. If, and I said this, Eddie, I said, if you met me four years ago, you pro- you wouldn't be getting the same person that you yeah. get now. You would be getting a more high-strung, arrogant, maybe, um, full of themselves, pretentious, and just a difference, different. And I, I'm, I'm being hard on myself because I, I... I don't even see it as being hard on yourself. I get what you're saying because I think when you can be honest like that, say I was arrogant or I was whatever, I had ego, which we all do. Yeah. Um, I think that actually shows healing for me. I'm always like, if you can say that out loud I'm always like that means they've worked through it yeah because someone who is arrogant is not going to be like I'm arrogant yeah, they're yeah, just yeah. gonna well I they're gonna be that and I've even had friends who who walked away at me walked away from me at that time and I do put a lot of it down to grief I lost my father I I lashed out a lot yeah. I drank a lot and that was the nightlife thing you I lost my father I went back to work two days later with Panto we had to open Panto five days after he mm-hmm. passed and I that's hard I had the medium of going into the dragon every weekend and working Thursday Friday Saturday and what do you do you drink yeah and vodka became my devil juice and every time I drank it I took it out on no, not physically but I no. would take it out in in certain ways to people who were around me so I did lose friends I did lose a lot of people over that that course of time mm. I'm very lucky that they're back in my life. Some of them are back in my life. Um, and they go... The ones who are meant to be. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they they stick by me and they go, yeah, you were a dick for a good couple of years, but you've you've kind of overcome that now. And you go, Grant, okay, well, look, now, let, now we can move on. I think that's so important as a friend to be able to go, yeah, you were a dick. Yeah. But I knew the essence of you. A friend of mine always says it's about your essence. Yeah. And you never lose your essence no matter what you're going through. Yeah. And I think a true friend knows the essence. But dur- during lockdown though, there was those moments where I felt I felt myself creeping back into that person. There was like statements that I'd make and I'd go, you check yourself and go, did you just say that? Did, did that come, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. And that essence, I was kind of, str- I like, I love that word. I'm going to use that now. That's the essence of me. Yeah. Um, I would, was worried that that was kind of going back to, to those times. And now it's funny that now we're back op- open. I've got my gym. I've got a fresh haircut when I want it. Yes. I've got a gig here and there. And I can go, okay, no, it was just a moment. It was just a really, really bad moment. And now you're you're moving forward. And I think that's so important is those self-care moments. Yeah. And I was chatting to, I think it was Steph, your mechanisms being taken away. Mm. What you use for me, I've realized some things have been distractions mm. of actually dealing with shit and other things I'm like, I don't have these things to just have a break or to make myself feel better and be my be who I am. Yeah. Um. So like what kind of things self-care wise? I've been doing so much self-care listening these days. But like, what are your self-cares? You said haircut, gym. The gym. The gym is the biggest thing for me. Yeah. Um, I, I genuinely... I've dealt with the the mental health and I've dealt with depression over the mm-hmm. years. And I think that the one thing that's always gotten me back out of my funk is going to the gym. Um, okay. And I might just go and I might just walk on a treadmill for 30 minutes. I, like literally just, just that. But it's me time. It's putting yeah. headphones on, music in. And even with Eddie, when we go to the gym, sometimes I say, I'll say to him, look, I'm going to work out my own today. And he goes, yeah, that's no problem. Go on, go he for it. it. Put, put the headphones in and just focus on thoughts. And I get my best ideas. Like for work and for gigs and for bits and bobs, I get my best ideas on the treadmill or when I'm working out and I'm listening to a good song, I'm like, ah, that'd be, that'd be deadly. Let's yeah. do that. Um, so the gym is a massive, massive one. Yeah. Could we jump into the gym? Because I did say I, I want to discuss this. Can we talk about your kind of fitness journey? Because I remember reading something, don't know where, could have been an interview with you, but you said you started your fitness journey kind of as a mental health journey. Yes. Um. So I'd love you to kind of go in 
to a little bit about that or how it came about? I was, at, at the age of 21, I was 16 stone. I was a 38 waist. Wow. And I was 16 stone and I had hair like a lesbian beaver. <laughs> We've all done the hair thing. It's, oh, it's, yes. It's a, it's a, it's a part of life. Um, so I kind of found it around 22, 23, but I wasn't taking it serious. I was just kind of doing it to do the gym and to try and lose a bit of weight because I wanted mm-hmm. to be fitter. I wanted to be, I didn't want to be back to 16 stone. Um, heartbreak was my first way to lose weight. So when I broke up with somebody back when I was a kid, okay. I think I lost all the weight because I was so devastated and la la yeah. la. And that's, we've all done that. Yeah. Um, break up weight. And then I kind you of- either put it on or take it off. Put it, exactly. <laughs> and then I kind of found the gym and it was only then after, on the road to Ireland's Got Talent, I said to myself, I want to feel good in the outfit. I want to look nice, la 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 la. And did that and that was grand. And then I met with a PT about, two weeks after Ireland's Got Talent to kind of focus my, my energy somewhere else. And he mm-hmm. said, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. And over the course of six months, I dropped from, I think it was 80, 80 kilograms to just under 70 kilograms. So I dropped about 10 kilos. Um, and my body started to look in a way. I was like, oh, oh, she's feeling herself today. <laughs> and I was getting more attention and I was, you know, the boys that were talking to me a bit more. And yeah. so that was kind of nice. But... With that, with that experience of the the kind of the six months working with him, I really found the mental health breaks were the gym. I really found that that time okay. alone for an hour a day, because I work so much, that going to the gym was my one time to myself. Because yeah. you're always working with people, you're either working with kids or you're working with a, a crew mm-hmm. or whatever. So the the gym for myself was an hour a day just to kind of get away. And over lockdown, or not over lockdown, over the last kind of three years, there's been moments where I've worked so so much and I've just kind of stopped and said you need to take a day or two. You just need to take a day to stop. Yeah. And the gym was always there for me. It was always the counsellor that I needed. It was always the it was always the friendly environment that I just had. And I know some people might say, oh, that's mad. But it's it's always been my go-to just to, mm-hmm. to calm myself down and to really just kind of centre myself and, and come back to normal. And then you learn a lot about, you learn a lot about fitness and you learn different ways to do it. And, I've now started to kind of create my own programs based oh, off nice. of what I've learned before. And as I said, I'm going back to that other PT now next week to just just check in and say, yeah. I'd love a bit of a refresh on this and to try and find new ways to lose the, the bit of weight off my chest and the bit of weight off here, there and everywhere. Yeah. Because I did, I put on weight during lockdown. I think I put on about of course. half a stone. Yeah. But that doesn't sit well with me. It really, really doesn't sit well with okay. me when I see but myself. But you still look great. Thank you. I feel, I feel better now. <laughs> yeah. I feel better now. So I'm two weeks into a really good program and I I, I feel a lot nice. better. But uh, when I look back at pictures and even Eddie says to me, he's like, I know it's a difference in you when you don't feel like you look your best. And I said, I know wow. because I always want to put my best foot forward and I always want to be seen as my best. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a bit, what's the word? Like arrogant in a way to be like oh everyone needs to see me at my best but they do because they've seen me at my worst a lot of the people I know have seen me at my worst and people have only come into my life in the last three years only know the the person I am now and I want to keep that facade maybe not no not facade I want to keep this is who you are this is who I am I want to keep that going so be it the gym be it be it whatever to to improve myself I'll, I'll do it yeah and just something as a drag fan does that affect your aesthetic? Do you think about that? Like weight? N- well, weight, but also getting fit, maybe yeah. going for a more masculine look, or like I know drag can be so many different forms, but does that come into your mind? Or are you like, no, I look after my body and then my, my heart comes next? My body, or? my body comes first. Okay. And if I look, there is pictures of me where I like I'm 
last summer I'm ripped. I'm ripped in a really, really good way. Yeah. And I love it. I think it's something different to look at. It's not your typical aesthetic. I still have my my, my padded hips and my padded yeah. bum and all the rest of it. But my arms are just in good shape. I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with that. That's my aesthetic and that's that's where I stick because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give up something I love to look a certain way mm-hmm. for one gig a week or two gigs a week. Do you know that sort of way? Yeah. So I would rather focus my body first and then and then move into bring that into my drag. Into your drag. Awesome. And just going to the nightlife situation. Yeah. Um, I'm not much of a nightlife person okay. at all. Um, for I don't know why. I kind of went out a lot as a kid. And I just got to the point where I was like, actually, I'm just not into this. But as someone who's really in the nightlife, how did that affect you? Like my sister, she goes out every weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And that really affected her that she couldn't get out yeah. for her drinks or her to the festivals all that stuff. Someone is, who works in nightlife. Yeah. And I suppose there is a cross to socialising there as well. Yeah. How did that affect, like with that being kind of ripped from you? I used, I used my nightlife for when I was working. So, okay. because like I said, back five years ago when my, my father, seven years ago when my father passed, I drank a lot. I was mm. working a lot. So I was working Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And when you've done, when you've done that much nightlife, when you've worked that much, it's not fun anymore. It's yeah. like going out and getting drunk with your friends isn't fun because it's a job for me. It's always yeah. a job. Um, and it has been a job for 10 years and it's a job I'm very, very grateful for. It's given me a lot of really good things and, 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 and I'm grateful for what I have. But when, when friends say, oh God, I'd love a night out. I'm like, oh God, no. I, I couldn't think of anything worse. I am the same. I am like, I can't wait to so get home. I'll stuck out. Yeah. <laughs> if I can do a gig and cross it as like a, as a double thing. So like it's a gig yes. and then after the gig, I get my nightlife or I'll invite my friends and say, look, I'll finish at whatever time and then we'll go out. But the idea of nightlife, like having to go out every single weekend. Oh my God, I'm, I'm way too old for that. But mm-hmm. to watch, to watch the industry just disappear, especially because yeah. as gay people, um, the likes of the George, the likes of Panty Bar, the likes of our bars, all over all, all over Ireland. There are safe houses. There are safe places. They are our places where we get to go and I could walk in on my own and guarantee you I will find three or four people that I will then be able to stand with or have a laugh with because I've made those friendships. I've made those circles. There's people I haven't seen in seven, in seven eight, like months now. Yeah, because we haven't. It's a community. It's yeah. such a community. And as much as you can give out about the gays and say whatever, we do have a good sense of community. Yeah. When it when it's needed, yeah. um. So to watch that kind of that aspect of nightlife disappear has been really really tough. And you're watching friends who are drag queens whose gigs are are just wiped clean, and you know that that's their only form of income. So it's a really really tough kind of watch. So I'm glad to see us. And typical, always the gays will make it work. The gays will always do something. And as you know now, like drag shows are happening. Yeah. Bars are reopening. We're starting to kind of see. Uh, a thing to kind of come back to life and it's nice to it's nice to be able to go out so I've been out a couple of times I've been out once socially and then three times working and okay. it was so good to get back onto the stage and it was so good to see people yeah. that like I said I've not seen in seven eight months and because you can see them on social media or you know they might not be on social media so to see faces I kind of go oh my god I've not seen you in so long and it's, yeah I'm so glad to see you and I'm so glad to see other people yeah. Um, so I look forward to now when they kind of restart the bars open and okay. we can really kind of get out and is the atmosphere different do you notice like different because obviously we have to stay in our you know place and yeah. you can only get up for a toilet and it's table service does that affect the shows no the sh- do you know what's weird is that it's kind of like and it kind of sounds like joy to me I'm like oh my god you sit down no one's in my way and can I tell you <laughs> 
I don't have to hug people that I don't want to hug. Yes. I can give my elbow and go, there you go. Because some yeah. people, some people like, because I think because you work in the industry, people just like bound over and you hug and all the rest of it. And that's totally fine. I love a hug. Yeah. But I think the one thing about lockdown is that like, you haven't got to do that like weird, like, oh, good to, good to Hiya. see you yeah. thing. Um, but it is, it's a strange, it's a strange one to kind of, I went to see the show first before before doing the gig. Okay. And I loved it. You're sitting down, you're at your table, you can go for a smoke when you want, you can order your drink, the drink comes to your table. You're mm-hmm. home and all by 11 o'clock, which means you can't get too drunk. Well, dependently. Um, <laughs> Paul was telling a different story before we started uh, recording. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Little bit hungover. Um, <laughs> but it's it's a really, really nice vibe. And you know what? The shows are just the same. It's the same yeah. old vibe that you get from the George. And that's another thing to say for any reader who's never been to the George, you're getting a good show every single night of the week. There's no straight bar that I know that you can walk in and get a mini cabaret show every mm. night of the week. And a lot of the times they're doing this for free. So right now, you know, it's whether it's 20 or 25 quid, if you've got it, go see a show, go support the okay. arts, go support whatever you can to bring a little bit normality back to life because yeah. the arts and the pubs are the two sectors in in this country that are failing. Yes. And I keep seeing, like it's a shock to keep seeing theatres close or like around the UK and Ireland, I'm seeing like, oh, well, we're sad to inform me now that I you're know. like, if I have to see that one more time, beautiful venues are shutting their doors. massive shows as well. Massive shows, yeah. humongous. And there's theatres there that are just going to waste. Like there's literally... There's so much spec to do something, but we're not being given the, the clear guidelines to be able to get back. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think I'm right in saying that we're the only country in EU hasn't, who hasn't opened their pubs again. I actually, I'm not sure. Allegedly, we could be. Yeah. That's what I keep reading on Twitter. So if yeah. that's the case, why not? Why not? Everything is doing, everyone is doing social distancing. Yeah, people are having house parties. Open the pubs, you'll probably find a, a different side of things. With regards yeah. to theatres, you know, find your way. If you have to knock a door in so that they have to, they have to go out one door and come in another, do it. Just let us get back to some sort of normality, normality and stop with these stupid guidelines that they keep changing that just keep messing up. That's the thing. They're back and forth. I'm I'm happy to follow a strict guideline yes. if you give it to me and say, this is the situation yeah. done. But it's all like, oh, maybe, oh, well, actually this. And then you're getting different Kind if, of information. From if you remember when Boris Johnson did his address and the whole of the UK basically said, what? Like, are, are we in? Are we out? Should we not go on holidays? Should we go on holidays? Yeah. When Leo Varadkar took the podium, he gave you clear, concise guidelines. Now, I'm not, I'm not into politics, so I'm not, I'm not left wing, right wing, whatever. I'm just stating how I felt as a viewer at home and some as a citizen of this country. Yeah. When Leo took to the podium and, and gave his address and told you what the guidelines were, you knew exactly what you were dealing with. Yeah. You knew that on the 5th of that month, you would be able to then go past the 5K. You could do whatever. You could mm-hmm. do X, Y, and Z. With and it was also something to look forward to. Yes. So you were okay with where we were at. Yeah, and you were you were you were following the guidelines and you felt comfortable. I didn't care that he was quoting mean girls. He could be he could be quoting RuPaul's drag race for all I care. Yeah. He literally gave me a guideline and gave me a little bit of a of a little goosebumpy feeling yeah. as if we were in some sort of American mad film and it was it was it was just a good energy. Then Mihal Martin came along and it's just, and I know I have personal vendetta on this because of my own school of suffering with the new guidelines of six and now it's a pod and la 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 la. So I know that, I know that that's why that is, but the government right now just aren't giving us any sort of way forward. And the, the things that we had tackled, they're now going back on. And 
we're just in a jumble of stuff to try and tackle. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's just mind boggling. It's just so, For so For me, bad. it's a real Irish thing. I find we, we start well. We start with a bang. Like for me, this kind of sums it up. Like we were there, we were doing it. Like people were looking to Ireland being like, wow, they're amazing. Yeah. And then next thing, it's like we let the ball drop yeah. or something like that. And it's it's the same with something like marriage equality where it's like, boom, look at us, we're amazing. And then now there's like equality for children fighting. Like we're not actually all equal. And it's like we do really, really well, but we don't see it through or something like that. It's funny you say that you say marriage equality because marriage equality, obviously before marriage equality, we saw so many people leave. They went to Australia. They went to the UK. My two, my own two best friends, Nigel and Emma, they moved off to the UK because they just said there's nothing in Ireland. Ireland is not a progressive country. We need to get out. Marriage equality came along and I cried because I was like, this is the country that I'm sticking by. And this is the country that you shouldn't have left because we did this first. We were the ones that voted in the system. And then obviously the yes vote came in for um, for abortion and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And again, it was the, the country doing the right thing again. As the time has gone by, Ireland has always been ahead of the mark to say, we will do it, we will do it right. And we'll yeah. give a big finger to everybody else around the world. And we've done it. And the first time we seem to have let the ball drop is this. Yeah. And it's only since Michal Martin has kind of taken over and it almost like he's trying to prove his big balls by throwing them around the playground. Yeah. It just really just doesn't seem right. And for the first time I said, my God, I'd leave this country if they continue to, to mess it up. Okay. I wouldn't. Wow. I don't think I would, but I'm saying... No, it's home as well. It's home. Which, yeah. But if they continued to really rally the country the way they have and not do the justice that I had been doing, I think you'd, you'd, you'd really want to be thinking... Okay. Thinking of the long term goal and thinking what's what's to come. Yeah. yeah, it's scary. Yeah. We'll see. Let's jump into Pride. Because yes. Pride was a little bit different this year. What was your Pride like this year? Pride. We know we saw you doing Cover Girl. Yes. On, yes, which was amazing. She brought the dancers, she brought yes. the show. Congratulations. But what was that like for you going virtually? Because everything's well, it digital was it was weird. As I said, I've been the host of Main Stage Pride for three years now. Yes. Um, it's been mad because I always said and I've said this in interviews before that I would watch Panty host Pride and I would be like oh my god I want to do that I really want to be holding that microphone Yeah. and for years of my career I was always like 17th or 18th on the list of performers and I'd, I'd love that and i have a ball of course and then when the call came to host it to take over from Panty because obviously Panty is now the Queen of Ireland and she's busy doing other bits yeah. uh, I cried I bawled my eyes out because I was like that's the job I've always wanted I always wanted to be the one introducing the acts for Dublin Pride on yeah. the big stage uh, so Done that for the last three years. Loved it. Eddie, Jed and all the team are so good to me. They they look after me. They really, really take care of me over the, the throughout the whole year, not just for Pride. Yeah. Um, And then this year then we had planned. It was going to be in September. I think it was going to be. September. Yes, I, I think it was going that. to be. Actually, I think it was going to be this weekend. I think it was going to be Stop. the this ninth or 10th, whatever this weekend might be. Um, And they, I was like, right, right, grand, we'll move it to there. That'll be fine. And then obviously they changed it again. They said, look, Pride can happen. It's going to go virtually. So, Eddie called me, who's the he's the head of Pride, and he said, um, yeah, like we're we're probably gonna do it on a green screen. We might do it in the George. And I'd be like, all right, yeah, grand perfect. Just and what's gonna be the, the form? And he told me, la 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 la. He phoned me two weeks later and said, No, this has gone bigger. He said, This this needs to be bigger. He said, We're now moving to the round room of the mansion house. I was like, wow. What? Okay. He said, like, Yeah. And then he sent me a picture of the setup, the giant screen, cameras it everywhere. It looked incredible. Flags everywhere. And I was like, Eddie. I was like, this is, a, this is a TV show you're producing. He was like, yeah, I know. I was like, okay, grand, fine. Okay, so 
over the time we kind of we didn't know rehearsals we I didn't okay. hear I didn't hear a thing about it so there wasn't like preparation happening no they were prepping obviously. of course yeah. it was a it was a five camera shoot behind behind all the cameras was a full like setup as if we were on a TV station yeah uh, there was auto cue there was team from auto cue there was sound there was AV there was everything going on I walked in on the Saturday because I wanted to drop off some suitcases and they wanted me to do like just some mic tests and stuff mm-hmm. and I walked in and I was like oh my god I was like this is huge he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then the next day got called in eight o'clock in drag in rehearsals, face on. And we just said, right, let's run the show. And we ran it. And I jotted down a shed load of notes and I put them onto the 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 auto cue screen and we went live at two o'clock. So we literally just ran the show once through. And wow. I gathered a lot of my script and I kind of was was like voice noting it and then giving it to the guy on the auto cue and saying, look, could you type that out? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and it was nerve wracking as hell, but by God, it was a right good first gig to be back out of lockdown. Okay. Like it was so, so much fun. There was such a sense of community. Getting to hear the messages from different like groups and allies mm. and stuff like that, that I would never listen to because you'd be side stage and you might be talking to somebody or you might be going to your dressing room to grab a drink or you might be reading your next note as to who's yeah. up next. So I never listened to the likes of by Ireland or Tenny Ireland who are giving these like amazing speeches and stuff we need to be listening to as a, as a country. Absolutely. Um, and then Renee from, uh, Renee Medding from, from, I can't. Equality for Equality Children. Equality for Children. Yeah. Um, Who was with me last week here. No so. way. Yeah, ah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's a legend. I've worked with her before. She's yeah, absolutely she's brilliant. Fat. And her and her wife are really, really like, really doing that good fight. Yes. Um, and I got to watch all those messages and there was moments again, I'm, I'm a big crybaby, but I was like, I've never heard that being said. I've never, I've never listened to that message from a bi person yeah. or from a trans person or, you know. And that's how we learn is hearing it from these I, people who are experiencing it. I learned so much yeah. that day and it was so, so nice to, to be at the head of that, to be able to kind of do that and go live and have X amount of thousand people watching mm-hmm. us and have so many lovely people send lovely messages. And then obviously we had the little the little break before the kind of concert side of it happened. Yeah. And Bunny and Phil did an, an amazing job hosting that. And I had a ball performing. Um, I went fully live. I think I was one of the only performers to go live on the the day. Okay. So it was kind of nerve wracking. But listen, I, I thrive on that. And we had an absolute ball. Yeah. Um, it was such a special experience. And I, I'm blessed to have done it. Awesome. Did it make up for pride not being what it normally is? Yeah, it 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 did and it didn't. There was a, there was that sense of community because you were getting to see drag queens who were like in there recording and, and friends of yours and stuff like yeah. that. So there was a good sense of community. Um, it can't you, you can't beat being on the streets of pride. No, you can't beat seeing the flags go up the kind of the weeks previous and seeing those people from around the country who you only get to see once a year or, you know, that, just that good feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially with Host and Pride, there ain't nothing like watching a 10,000 strong crowd in front of you yeah. and hear them scream. So we did miss that, but it makes me excited to do it again next year. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yes. Fingers and I crossed. was part of that 10,000 crowd last year watching you ah! perform. Um, and we were out to support Emily as well with the yes. cast. Um, but I remember you saying last year, and I can't remember the exact words, but you brought up what pride is actually about. Yeah. You know, and what does pride mean to you? Because obviously we go out, we get dressed up, we express ourselves, all that stuff. But for me, pride is much bigger than that because I have gone on a journey with my own sexuality. Yeah. Um, so what is it to you being such a focal point of pride? I think pride to me is about 
it's more so about the family orientation. Ireland, we're, we're such a nation. We've come through so much. We've progressed so much, as, I, as I've said earlier on. And I think that that's what pride to me is about progression. Progression okay. within ourselves, progression within our communities, progression, progression with our allies, both straight, bi, gay, whatever you may be, and all coming onto the one page and just celebrating for one day, for one day to celebrate for the rest of the year, but to celebrate for one day of just not giving a care, not caring about who you are. Be, be yourself, do, do what you want to do. Once you're not hurting anybody, you know, it's, 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 it doesn't matter. Just pride, yeah. pride is just being you and be just yourself. being part of a community. Absolutely. Love that. Let's uh, talk about Ringmasters. Yes. I'm a massive oh my fan. I absolutely adore it. Did um, you, you came, did you I come came last year? The last two years. You came the last two in years. In the Sugar Club. Yes. Yeah. Um, and last year, Paul very kindly gave us a little table of our own for yes. myself, Ross and Emily and my friend Leanne, who's a massive drag fan. Yeah. Uh, I actually messaged her on the way in being like, guess who I'm interviewing today? <laughs> She's living. Um, but it's an amazing, amazing kind of platform for drag queens in Ireland which I don't know is there much of a platform for people wanting to get into it like it seems like the main thing where you're like this is an opportunity to maybe get seen yeah it, so the Ringmasters Drag Race has been running we're 10 years this year I know it's amazing we used to be in the Dragon that's where I found it it was my kind of first in with the Dragon uh, we yeah. used to run it over the course of 10 weeks and the winner then obviously you'd, so you'd whittle them down so it'd be like the real Drag Race yeah. and then obviously the, dra the Dragon closed so we had to do it on a one night thing and I'm of the I'm of the generation where Alternative Miss Ireland was yes. the biggest thing on the gay calendar every single year and I think that's where I, I, I like I found my that's, I was 16 when I first danced for a, a LGBT artist was at the AMI. Wow. So you can imagine my first ever outing with gays for the Alternatives Ireland. If you don't know, please go YouTube and research yeah, what that it's is. It's incredible. Because the kids don't know. And I feel so no. sorry for the kids not getting to experience that because... And there's so much diversity. Oh my and God. And it wasn't you about... really get to understand the LGBTQ community. Yes, and it wasn't just about being a, a woman, a man in a dress and yeah. a wig. It was, uh, like, I would have entered AMI if I had at home my craft a little bit longer mm -hmm. and kind of got to do that because it was, it was such an experience. Like, going in at 16 and dancing on that stage in the Olympia, like, I just was wide-eyed and, like, couldn't get over it. Yeah. Um. So, the year that finished, I started with the Ringmaster Drag Race because there was no drag competition show and, the RuPaul's Drag Race was only in season two and okay. it was only available on E4 or to search through the internet uh, if you could find it. So nobody... Get your very legal yes, download. Yes, your legal download. <laughs> so, so many people um, kind of were screaming for some sort of competition show. So I said, right, look, we'll try it. Um, and it was the first year Dragon wasn't that busy because they wanted me to go on at 8 o'clock and obviously Dragon was more of a club so you wouldn't go there till 10, 11 o'clock. Yeah. So it wasn't that busy. But over the years, it just grabbed legs. Mm -hmm. it fully grabbed legs and then in year two it was getting busier and busier and busier and I said look we need a guest we need to get somebody in okay and she said okay look here's your budget go off the budget was crap the budget I won't lie right. was not good uh, I had watched season two of Drag Race and I said do you know what all you can do is try emails jujube at bookings.com or whatever it was and her manager at the time Chris came back and said oh my god we'd love to do that uh, and the fee is Duh. And it was within the budget. I oh. could not cope. Just ask. And she said yes. And she came over. She arrived on the Thursday night. And she was the nicest. She was the first drag she queen. She was the first drag queen. I saw. So years no after way. years after that. Oh, okay. But it was the first her and Raven were in Break for the Border. Yes. And that's the first drag race girl I went to see. 
So Jujubee was the first person we was was the first person to come outside of the US. I oh. always, I always, and I know I'm Victoria's Secret hates me when I do this because I always say <laughs> I was the first person to start the trend of bringing them to Europe. I remember you said that, and that's why I popped in the yes, interview. Thank you <laughs> or in so the introduction, much. Sorry, Victoria's Secret. You can give me those credits later. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, in fairness to Victoria, she she is now the boss ass bitch of that. She is bringing them all over the world. Yeah, she does and back and beyond. Job. But I always stick by, and I think that I had the best experience because Juju B as a person is one of the sweetest queens to this day and I'm very lucky that to call her now a friend that oh, we, we, there's, we I, we've met them all yeah there's three who I still would would class as a friend and if they're in town they'll always text and say do you want to come to the show um, Jujubee Alaska and Detox Detox especially myself and Detox formed a bond for yeah, whatever I've, reason mm, we just I've seen you put things up in regards to your friendship with her she's just the nicest and most funnest and best person you'll ever meet in, in, in the world and she just has so much time she always has so much time when she meets you she could have been travelling all over the world when I brought Emily to our friend Emily the, to the Work the World Tour in Borgosh in Borgosh yes. it's because Detox is the one that sorts the tickets and she always rings and goes do you want meet and greet or do you care and I'm like yeah yeah give us meet and greet I got meet and greet because I knew I was going to bring Emily yes. so I was like I was because we lived around the corner from yeah, the podcast. You did raging yeah. that night. And I wouldn't, actually wouldn't talk to her. I've never like, seen her. I she was the funniest human being. <laughs> so Emily is like is a, a, a phenomenal performer. I can't wait to work with her again. She is like she's a powerhouse, yes. and I adore the ground she walks on. Um, and she'd always talk about drag, and she'd ask me could she go to like one or two drag shows that I was doing. And I said yeah, yeah, grand, no problem. Yeah. Then when the opportunity came to work the world, I thought there's only one person that I want to give this opportunity back to, and that's Emily Carroll. And we met, we were all calm, we were having the chats. Yeah. Said, right, okay, we're going to go in for the meet and greet. She was like, okay, grand. Got to the top of the stairs and I swear to God, I've never seen her turn into a prissy little girl. Really? I, I wish. I can't imagine that. I wish you could have seen what I dealt with because she was jumping around the place. You know, you know, she's just so like blase. Yeah. She's just so down to the line. She was jumping. Around, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. She was like, she's about to just meet, meet Justin Bieber. I could not cope. And I said to her afterwards, I was like, you've changed. You change around drag queen. She was like, I don't know what it was. And we were sitting so close. We were literally, I think Aquarius sweat dropped on us at one point. Uh, it was it was such a such a good night. But yeah. it is <clears throat> when you become when you can become friends with them, because back in the day when it was Juju B coming over or Detox coming over, they were here on a Thursday and they were staying till the Sunday. Okay. And they might have been going to Scotland maybe on the Sunday. And so you'd have three days. So you'd fill their day. You'd fill their days with opportunities yeah. and things to do. So you'd spend so much time. So it was Juju B, Detox in Alaska who, and Shangela as well, is a, is a close friend of ours. She's, she, loves the, she loves being here in Ireland. Yes. Um, but you'd fill their day. So you'd take them to the Guinness factory. You'd take them for dinner. You'd take them for drinks. Um, so bizarre. Like it's probably so normal for you. But for me, I'd be like, no. Yeah. I couldn't deal with that. I, like you'd take them shopping. You'd do whatever over the course of the couple of days. So that I think it's an Irish thing. You want them to have. Have a good time. A really, really good time. And they did. And yeah. that's where you build your friendship because you really get to know somebody. And then nine times out of ten, you'll book them. I'd book them again for the year following. Yeah. Because they'd made such an impact. So it was so good to kind of have them back and stuff like that. Um, and that was that was Drag Race back in The Dragon. Mm. And then obviously then that closed and we moved to we moved to break for the border for one year. Yes. And it was awful. Oh, God, it was so okay. bad. The sound messed up. Whatever way I ran it, it just, it went tits up over the course of the night. And I just said it to myself, it didn't work. It didn't, it didn't work. Okay. And I said to myself, okay, Grant, 
you need to take a year now just to to not do this and reevaluate where you're going to do it and okay. what, you, what you're going to do with it. Now, Break for the Water was a shell, so I shouldn't have gone into a venue that had no real sound, no real decor, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then... It kind of was on its way out for a few oh, years. Well, they had like, stopped. They had stopped putting money into it. They had no yeah. interest because obviously now it's a new hotel and they, they've, they've done it up completely. Yeah. But they had no interest in it. That's why all the club nights moved out of there. So Glitz was there. Uh, Victoria's Secret had a night there. We did Dragged okay. Up there when, when, yes. when Dragon closed. But they weren't willing to put any money into it. So it just mm. was a shell. And I wouldn't mind. It was a, it was a bloody good club. Absolutely. Um, so then I said to myself, I want to find a venue that is not gay related. I don't want to go to the George. I don't want to go to Panty Bar and try and get it in Panty Bar. I want the gays to see something different. And then somebody said to, me, said to me, um, the Sugar Club. And I was like, oh my God. Tiered seating, cabaret vibe, seats there. I had my 21st in the Sugar Club. No way! Yeah. It was incredible. And I said to myself, okay, so again, just ask. I emailed them. Yeah. And they said, we've no Friday or Saturday booked. Because I was, of course, I was bigging myself up going, I'm going to have it on a Saturday night and everyone's going to come. Yeah. Uh, said, we have Sundays. And I said, oh, you don't want to go against bingo. You don't want to go against X, Y, and Z. Because you really don't want to go against other things because you just don't want to do it. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a terrifying prospect. So I said, oh, look, we'll try it. Year one. I think you can fit 400 in there. I think we fit about 350. But I Amazing. I realized that the format I had was working. This was what it was going to be. Everybody walked away and said, oh my God, that was the best drag race we've ever seen. And then obviously you came the, the year following. And yeah. it was the year I'd just done Ireland's Got Talent. So there was a bit more, I think we saw. So I was there the other year as oh, well. Oh, you were the first yeah, year? Yeah, yeah. Oh Way my God. down the back. So different experiences. Oh my God. First. Um, and then, the so that was the year I did Ireland's Got Talents that sold out that year. And then last year, just gone then, yeah. we had our third one in the Sugar Club, which was, again, an absolute sellout and an, an unreal night. And uh, you know, as of being there, it feels like you're in an episode of Drag Race. It really does. So when I say the time has come for you to lip sync for your life and the audience are screaming it back at me, yeah. the response... And then they're watching the Queens. And I mean, people are on. I've got pictures that we took. People are on their feet like it's a football match. Yeah. And they're screaming for the Queen. And they're screaming to find out the winner. And, and you really do, like, get your favourites. Like, I was nearly like, I'm going to get my little notebook out yeah. now and write down who... Like, you get really into you it. You get so, so into it. And I think that there's nothing like it in Dublin. Obviously, it's based off of RuPaul's Drag Race. And I robbed the idea. And la, of la, course. La. But like I said, every year I go, that was so good. I, ha I can't wait to do that again. So it's been at the Sugar Club for three years. Three years. Sorry, I've only been there two yeah, years. Yeah, you were there for the last yeah. two years. So yeah, you yeah, sorry, I got You didn't see the, the first year. No, um, no. And again, we were finding our feet and trying to find our way around And it. that's when you were like, this is it. This yeah. is the venue. The Sugar Club okay. loved us. They're so good. The The two days in the yeah, Sugar I've Club. I've done a few concerts in there and they're nice. They're so, so nice. He's like, do whatever you want. The doors are open at three o'clock. You can have the place. Don't come near me unless you need me. And they're so, so good. And it's so strange to have a venue like that because normally rules and regulations and la, 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 la. So the weird thing for this year is that we actually have a date booked with the Sugar Club. So yes, this is what I was going to ask. What's happening with... At, we like the you've th given a few <clears throat> hints on Instagram that something might be coming. Yes. Well, we did during lockdown. We did talk about doing the Ringmasters Digital Drag Race All Stars, and oh, I had hey. I had posters made. I had I had the idea formed, and then I then I spoke to my friends and I was going ahead with the idea. But of course, I didn't ask any of the team that I work with. I just went ahead and, and posted the the idea. Yeah. Nearly every single one of the people I work with and have worked with on the show for the last five years said, please, please, please do not waste this on a Facebook Live. They said, do not waste All Stars Drag Race 
on a Facebook Live. Okay. And I went, okay, I'll retract. So I took all of it down and I said, digital or all stars drag race has to be a live event because yes. there's some personalities over the last kind of over the last ten years. Oh that I'm screaming to have back yeah. and the, the the interview style of things that I can do and the things we can do. So that that that's hopefully for 2022, I think. I'd like to get to 12, 12 years and then do the awesome. drag race. But this year we have... And the will eight. it be girls who didn't win or girls... Oh no, who... girls who didn't win. Okay. Unless a girl who won wants to enter. But you know me, there's always a twist. So, okay, listen... 2022. 2022, you'll find out all. <laughs> but there's already a twist I have and I'm, I'm, giddy, I'm giddy about it. Oh, um, amazing. I'm, now I'm dying to know, obviously, <laughs> but I won't even push you. Um, but the, we have a date booked for 8th of November um, okay. with the Sugar Club. I haven't even touched base with the Sugar Club yet to see if it's even a possibility. That gives me two months to sell it. It has to be feasible for me to do it. Again, it yeah. has to be income. Of course. With the Sugar Club, I can probably, 400 people I can normally fit in there has to be seated. There's only one, two, there's only, I'd say about 50 seats mm-hmm. there. That's only about 20 people I can probably get in comfortably. Yeah. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I cannot do that. So for the moment, I'm toying with different ideas, but the Ringmaster's Drag Brunch is coming. Yes. Uh, and as of tonight... I love when a guest just picks up your next question. Yeah. <laughs> as of tonight, we released that. Our first one uh, is the 27th of September. Okay. Cafe Bar Swords. Right. So we're keeping away from the gay venues. We're not... We're, 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 I really like that. Yeah. I really love that idea. And what's so funny is that I announced I announced the idea. So no one's seen the poster. Nobody's seen anything about it. My yeah. guests... I, I, the podcast will probably have gone out by this stage. So my guests yes. are Pixie Woo and Angelica Starr, who was... The dancing queen of Drag Race last year, if you remember her, she danced with her two boys. She was a proper yes, good like mover. I remember she her. came second. She was my yes. runner up. And the only reason she didn't win was because she'd only been doing drag for like two months. And the person who gone before her, who was with her, Nettles, who won yes, last year. Who was fabulous as well. Who was fabulous. And had her craft completely honed and knew exactly what she wanted from everything. Even when they all walked out for the first time, you saw her and were like, oh. Oh okay. yeah, I and I I asked her. She won because I did I did heats last year. I did Belfast and Cork, and she won the Cork heat, okay. which then bought her space into the final. Um, so the so Angelica's doing it with me. Pixie Blue is doing it with me, and it's the the idea is kind of taken off. I've had interest from Limerick, from Cork, from Belfast, and from Galway. So so what's the like format of it then? I don't actually at this current point know, right. but I'm debating ideas to try and make it like a little mini like like sections of like drag race so we could do a lip sync for your life nice we could do other bits and bobs but it's so just it'll stay on the ringmaster's brand it's staying say. within the brand yeah okay. so we're, we're just i'm figuring out the ideas like it's it's a couple of weeks away so i've got a bit of time yeah. uh tickets go on sale tonight uh from the cafe bar swords website you can only get 50 people so i'm praying to god we can sell out and then it's gonna stay in cafe bar swords monthly so we'll have it there every single month and I'll have awesome. different guests and I'm hoping to kind of maybe possibly eventually bring a drag race person over for a bit of a drag brunch and, yes. and, and have a have a proper good time of it. Um, so yeah, so that's that's the kind of the idea as it is at the minute. So it's exciting to have something under the umbrella of yeah. the brand and to be doing something because if I don't get to do drag race this year, you best believe that I'll be back with a bang. and Oh, I believe it. And a proper guest for, um, for 2021. 
Oh my god, exciting. Like the the panel for this year, I wanted to bring all dragged up as the panel, so it was literally nice. family only. Yes. And the the opportunity, like they were gonna get to perform a pride, they were gonna get to do this, that, the other. There was so much kind of spec yeah. for for a winner. And they were gonna get to do Love Sensation as well, which would have been Oh, fab. unbelievably because I, I think I can say this now I had been given my own show for Love Sensation 2020 Amazing. so I was going to be on Saturdays uh, Saturday at 5 o'clock uh, and the winner was going to get the winner of Drag Race was going to get to perform as part of my show awesome with Love Sensation so fingers crossed that comes back to life do, uh, do most of the girls end up doing drag like as a career they do, do. Enter the competition the, the first when we were back, back in the days of the dragon they did they always and they wanted to be the, the, the next best queen but the problem with that was there was only the Dragon and the George. Yeah. So from my show, they were then asking the George to do shows and there wasn't really much space. There wasn't really much wiggle room. Of so course. I think that they, they, people got on people's nerves over the years. And I got, I got a good bit of slack for that being like, well, you're the one giving them this space for 10 weeks and, and treating them like they're superstars every single week. And I was like, but they're, they're doing the show. You know, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. But it's just personalities and people can be people, you know, people, egos and bruised and all the rest of it. Yeah. Nowadays, I, nowadays they do. I think there's a lot of people who are out doing drag. I've never, I've not really heard of like ones who just do it for that one night. Yeah. I think they've been doing it for a while or they want to continue to do it. Charangelica Star, that was her first, that was her first ever gig. It was her first time in drag. And, and now, then, look, now, now look, she's doing great things. She's really, really doing some, some great things. And she'll be with me then for at the end of the month, which exciting. I'm excited about. Well, I am excited for it. I'm a huge fan. So I will be there next year and definitely in 2022 yes. for the big surprise. For the big surprise. <laughs> um, let's talk about Pro Dance Academy. I oh. love that you run your own school and you just seem so invested in it. How, like, how long has it been going? Obviously, you've been dancing for years. So has this always been something you've wanted to do? I've been teaching for, since I was, since, like I said, since I was like 15, 16. Yeah. Um, And I always loved to teach, but I always loved to teach for other people because I loved the idea of choreographing. And I've always teached for, I've always taught for one stage school, which is run by my best friend, Kieran Shortall. And I've been teaching for them for 10 years. I never really wanted to open my own school because the, the pressure of dealing with parents, of, you know, everything about it. Because <laughs> stage school parents can be tough. They can be tough. Yes. Um, and I never really wanted to do it. And it got to a stage just before Ireland's Got Talent. Again, everything kind of kicked off that I said to myself, if you're going to do this, if you're going to set up a business, now is the right time to do it. Mm-hmm. Because you've got something to fall back on. You've done Ireland's Got Talent with your kids. Now is the time for you to open your own school. So partly it was a business decision. Yeah. And then it opened and I fell in love. I could yeah. not, I could not grasp the fact of why I hadn't done it sooner because I love to teach kids and leave again. And I love to like do a workshop and go home again and not yeah. have to worry about the, the ins and outs and the, all that sort of stuff. Then I opened my own school and I just found so much love. I adore my kids. They are my absolute life. If I had to lose all my drag and all my gigs, once I had my kids, I'd be totally, totally fine. That's amazing. Um, it's the important things in life, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm not out to... I I I keep I maxed it at a hundred, so we we did have a hundred kids pre COVID, and yeah. now I've about seventy, and obviously I have to keep within regulations. But yeah. um, I'm not mad about having four schools with three hundred kids per school. I want to know every single child's name. I want to know every single child's ability, how good they are, and how I can help them yeah. to become whether they want to just do dance for fun or whether they want to take it as a career like I did. Um, and I have those kids. I do have those yeah. kids. Some of them want to be dancers when they grow up. And some of them just want to do it for the laugh. And I'm totally okay with that. Whatever your 
whatever whatever you want to do and that's what the arts is about like that's yeah. made me come back this time has made me come back around to go oh yeah I didn't start this to work in it obviously that was always a goal of mine but I was like there was a reason I started it so it's nice almost when the kids who are just there for fun they're the ones that like almost remind you why what you're doing arts. and the only time I get serious with them when they know this is when we've got a show so we put our show we put a show together last year in nine months I stupidly did it at the end of November three days before pantomime opened so it wasn't the best decision okay stress uh, stress <laughs> stress levels up the roof but they got to go on stage, which is what I wanted for them. I wanted them to get on stage before the end of last year. They did it. They did an absolute whopper job. Was I happy with the production job that I did of it? No. Okay. That's me being me, though, going, all right, Grant, well, the next show, I've made my mistakes. I've learned my lessons. I've done it all. And I can I can change it so that I'm really happy. I'm really happy what they did. Yeah. But from my point of view, as a producer and a creator, I went, you could have done better on that. You could have, you could have done better. But that's me beating myself up to, to, to do better for the next time. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're an absolute joy. Like they warm my heart every single week. They are, th- that's been the best thing about coming back from, from lockdown is being able to see them and watching them come back to some sort of normality. And I know we were talking about before Yeah. where I kind of said, so we started we started really, really strong. We had a full school. They were all socially distanced. Um, they filled their forms, temperature checks, hand sanitization. I had more guidelines than a shopping centre in my <laughs> station. Um, and then obviously the government changed the guidelines to six people per class, which yeah. made no sense. Do it Makes with, no sense with the sports and yeah. like the dance classes, but then the sports are... If they yeah. did it by square footage of a venue, I'd have totally understood. If they okay. said, your venue is 10 by 10, you can have one person there or for every whatever you can have however many people I'd have understood but no this whole thing of six people and then it overturned to a pod of six a pod of five and one teacher if space permitted I was like well what the hell so I was on my high horse I've never been those people to tweet a politician but Jesus Christ Michal Martin I'm sorry I didn't mean <laughs> I was hounding them every single day being like yeah. just give us an answer because we need an answer stage schools are a huge business in this country huge huge business and I did say if I have to teach 14 hours a week to five kids per week I'll do it I'll happily do it wow, so amazing. we brought back our junior junior group and our senior group first because the middle group is the bigger group and like that I was teaching for what well, should have been just two hours, I was teaching for four and a half hours yeah. to try and make everything work. And then last week, then we brought back our middles, which is like six six and five and there's, you know, three or four classes and okay. it, just to see them back. But when they came back originally, watching them be so quiet and their social skills and their confidence be knocked so badly was a real scare. It was a real, real okay. scare. Walking into the room and normally, like I said, you'd have to calm them down for 20 minutes. You'd have to tell them, stop talking. I don't want to do TikTok, leave me alone. Yeah. All of a sudden they were just standing there watching you because they were afraid to say anything, I think, because COVID had just like shook them so badly. Yeah. But they're starting to come back around. We're starting to do our TikToks again, socially distanced. Of um, course. And it's been so nice to 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 get back to creating and do to Do you doing think something. that kids will be able to bounce back, like just from someone who's in the room with them and seeing them? Do you think these arts outlets for them, like dance class or like singing or whatever their thing is, football, mm. um, do you think it's important for them to get back to it so there's not any, let's say, long-term, I don't want to say damage, that's such an extreme word, but you know what I, I mean. I know what you mean. I think I think kids are resilient yeah. and they, they forget relatively quickly. So I'm praying to God that by the end of the year that they will have forgotten that everything will be back to normal. But I do feel like the arts is such a huge thing 
in a child's life. Yeah. Whether it's, like you said, whether it's singing, dancing, acting, I don't care what you do, put them into something just to, because it's what gave mm. me my confidence. And it actually, what it's what gave me, like I said earlier, to be the little gay kid that I wanted to be every yeah. single week and not, because in school I had to hide sexuality. Everyone knew I was a flamer, but like I had to hide my sexuality. Whereas in dance class, I was celebrated because I was a campy little queer kid. Yeah. And that's what I said my biggest problem was, was when they shut the schools down was because they need their confidence. They need their outlet outside of school. No kid really likes school. So they need, they need something else to, to push them up. And that's where I think the arts comes into it. Yeah. And I, cause I, I've seen kids who started with me two years ago and one of the girls, Emma, she's now my teaching assistant. But when she walks into the room, she cried and walked back out again. And we did this for four weeks. And now she's like my teaching assistant. She's absolutely yeah. like, so that, and that's what, that's what gives me that, that's what, that's how I know I was put on this world was to give back what the amazing stuff that I learned from my teachers and from people in the industry was to give that back to the kids that I teach. Yeah. If they want it, if they want to do this as a career. And or that's in life. Al- yeah, that's almost why you went through your journey. Because I know I read an article with you that you were like bullied in school yeah. and then stage school was kind of your safe place and yeah. you left school early as a result. And yeah. So in a way you've gone through that to know how important this it is. is for the kids and I think with regards to stage school and, and, and the mothers and stuff because you know they get a bad rep because stage school mammies could be stage school mammies mm-hmm. I think I adapted a no bullshit policy from the moment I started yeah. so if you have if you want your child to be up the front your child has to work for that I'm not going to tell you that I'm not going to tell you she's amazing if she's not she yes. can work towards it so I think that if you adapt that because I know some of my friends have awful time with stage schools and the mammies and the the, yeah. the stuff that comes with that but I think that if you can adapt just a no bullshit policy going into it and say if you want it you really have to work for it because and that's, that's what teaching them a good that's lesson. teaching them a good lesson and I want kids to take my work ethic on board with them because I do feel like my work ethic is good I feel like I always want to work I always want to graft and I always want to learn yeah um, and I want my kids to to take that on too awesome Let's talk about the future of the arts. What is the future of the arts for you? Uh, one of my guests, Tom Creed, amazing director, said it's not about having um, the old normal. It's about having a better normal. Yeah. So I'm kind of asking people, what is your better normal? Oh, I think. I think to to a. Oh, that's a uh, tough one. Yeah, I know. Obviously, we'd love to turn around and say that I want everything back to normal. I want everything back to, to how it was and la, yeah. la, la. But do I feel like we're going to get there anytime soon? No. But some people are so amazing with their ideas. And I know we talked outside earlier on about, you know, you want something to work towards. And I would I would urge people, if you can afford it in your life, if you're working and you can do a side project to put something out there, whether it's a film, whether it's a recorded play, whether it's a song, whether it's a poem, put your content into the world for it to be enjoyed. Because if that's our better normal and I get to see stuff that eventually I will pay for down the line, yeah. you know, if that, if that person then has a show or has a concert in two years to come and you've shown me something amazing, I'll pay for your ticket and I will, I'll go see your show. The better normal I feel right now is us just showing what we can do as, as an artist, as a community, as, as whatever, just put it out there for us to see so that in later life we can remember and we can pay it forward back to you in Amazing. whatever way possible. I love that answer. I think That's so great. Just, do you know what I mean though? Yeah. And I think it's even so important at this time to 
put stuff out there when times are shit and people are feeling shit because that's when the best art can kind of come out. Like, you know, the Irish woman in Harmony, Ruth Medler and her yes. and her photo and her photography of the, the windows. I don't know whether you saw it. And then she did it for the RT guide there quite recently. That's all content that I never would have seen before. That's all. There's been so much stuff. There's drag queens in this country that I never would have seen before. There's Yeah, that's so true. Because they, they don't have a platform. They don't have a platform to, to get onto the stage because it's hard to get into the George. It's hard to get on the stage of Panty yeah. Bar because it's such a lockdown kind of community of people. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a lockdown community of, of really good people and really clever people and creative people. Um. But there is people out there that I went, oh, she's good. Like, you know that sort of way? And now she's on your radar. And now she's on the radar. And if a gig comes up that you kind of go, well, I can't do it. But have you seen this person? You know, it's passing it forward to for people just to enjoy everybody's yeah. stuff. Because for so long, and like you said about Just Ask, I've like, t- television interviews are being done with Angelina Jolie on like the likes of the Six O'Clock Show on Virgin Media. Yeah. That wouldn't have happened if COVID hadn't hit. We wouldn't be, we wouldn't have gotten in a room with those people. True. I'm sure there's guests on the podcast who might might not have done it if other things were happening. If other things were happening. Absolutely. Because they would have been a, maybe a bit big headed. People are learning to be a bit more human now and they're giving their time yeah. where, where it's needed because we need to promote something. So if you've got content, bloody send it out there because because we all want to see it. Yeah. And it's creating more of a community for me. Yeah. Like never would I be sitting in a room talking to a drag queen or talking to a dancer from a contemporary dance scene or it's made me look outside of what I do yeah. and learn from other art forms and then also kind of get involved in things at home being like, oh, I'm going to write a little bit more. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, do a podcast. Why not? You kind of can follow your ideas. So I think that's great advice to just be like, just put stuff out there. Yeah. And I think you've proven today, make the mistakes. Make the mistakes. Always make the mistakes. Do the, do the wrong thing and 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 learn from it and, and know what you're doing. But I... Yeah, it's 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 a funny one. Like we've all had to work a little bit harder in lockdown. I've yeah. had to I've had to do my makeup and I've had to learn makeup and I've been watching stuff. So mm. that's my and even with with stuff like this, like I got a radio show in the middle of in the I middle saw of COVID that. on a gay radio station, yes. uh, L, L G B T Q plus radio station uh, called Glitterbeam UK, which is yeah. based in the UK. But that's now opened doors for meetings for other stuff in Ireland for radio stations here because I've sent the demo across and like you said just ask I emailed a very very high figure in TV um, last week and I just said nice to meet you we've met once or twice just want to try and get in the room with you just to throw a few ideas at you Mm -hmm. that person emailed me back and said let's have a virtual meeting this Friday at 10am in the morning and I had that virtual meeting and I got to meet that person and I got to do that he's somebody that like so many people would like to get into a room with you just have to ask and you just have and to and you wouldn't ballsy. have gotten that if you left fear kind of really, yeah and I still really left fear I still there is still certain things that I kind of go oh no I couldn't do that or I, I, I wouldn't do that and mm-hmm. I, I wish I wish I was a little bit more ballsy myself and maybe now I, I should be because you see that there is a give back on that if you do it you can get a give back on it yeah and most people mostly say yes I yeah. want to help and if they don't it's probably for a very good reason yeah you know well, what's meant for you will not pass and I know so that's true. so cliche but I feel like everything and especially in the last in the last kind of couple of years everything happens for a reason mm-hmm. so whatever's happening right now 
there will be a give back on it. It's meant to happen. Yeah, I think that's that's a, that's a good self-care thing for me. I always try and tell myself that if an opportunity didn't come my way, it's because something else is is about to. Waiting for you. Yeah. yeah. And it is true because we see the proof in the pudding yeah. over years. And it, but not without hard work. And Absolutely. I think that anyone who's listening to this who has dipped their toe in the arts or is listening to this because they may have an interest in the arts, mm-hmm. you have to be everything for everybody. You have to be, especially as a drag queen, you have to be your own choreographer, you have to be your own wig mistress, your own makeup artist, your own costume designer in certain ways, unless you've got the funds to be able to get someone to do it. But I wish I had learned how to do that. Do you know that sort of way? Yeah. Um, you have to be your own business manager, your brand manager, your marketing manager, and that goes across the whole lot of the arts. You have to do everything for yourself because in these times, people want not just a triple threat, they want a quadruple and uh, whatever five is. They want every single threat yeah. going. So... Be and to a kind out. person along with it. And a kind person <laughs> along with it. I, my, my biggest my biggest bit of advice that I've always been given is and get in, get out, say please and say thank you. Yeah. And if you can do that, you will, you'll have a really, really good career. Awesome. I love that. I do a little section at the end called yep. lifting the lid. Okay. So it's a little, I've just found myself this whole time being like, oh my God, this time has lifted the lid on that, lifted the lid on this. And I kind of think of something that I can discuss with each guest that might relate to them. And I know you love a bit of social media. Oh, she loves a good Instagram. <laughs> um, and I think that this time has really brought up people calling people out for trolling or for being nasty. Uh, you even see with like, popular drag queens actually posting comments that they're getting which are horrific horrendous and also recently with uh, Martin Gilfoyle oh my god who I was in actually in school with he was a few years below me um, but this whole thing of the TikTok house and him getting called names which I'm sorry are just outrageous and so negative and so damaging Martin Gilfoyle is one of the nicest people in the industry he is one of yeah. the soundest people I'm lucky enough to call him a friend and he is an absolute legend so it's it's, it's it fathoms me that it, and I, I even got into a conversation with somebody on Twitter who called him a predator and I literally I tore her a new arsehole and then she says oh here's another person with be kind in their bio and then I was like shit I do have be kind in my bio mm-hmm. and I said it to her I said be kind works when you're being kind back I was like your comments could ruin somebody's life I said so you don't deserve my version of kindness it's just it fathoms me but sorry I I completely no no my question is basically like do you think that like calling people out changing the kind of um I can't think of the word but changing how social media is ran getting these people are like keyboard warriors and basically do you think that that has to happen now we need to make because social media for me is not a great place for my mental health. I yeah. enjoy it, I don't enjoy it. I do it for a while, I stop, and I've I'm finding a balance with it. Yeah, but it can be so ne- it can be so positive, it can be so negative, and I think that this time people maybe because they've had more time to think about it have gone now. Nah, I'm calling these people out. This is a joke. There's too much nastiness in the world. What is your kind of take on that? It's it's mad that I've actually not even thought about it. I've lived okay. I've lived in the bubble and I've lived in the world mm-hmm. and I've never really thought about it. I learned after Ireland's Got Talent not to read the comments because right. I stupidly read some comments uh, after my performance went up on YouTube and I said to myself, don't do that again. Don't, don't do that again. Like that's, it, it was a yeah. nasty, horrible place. So I've never really thought about it, but these people who are calling these people out, I, I fully agree. I think if you're, if you're, if you're doing it in a way of like, listen, this has been just been said about me and I really don't think it's right. Mm-hmm. 
it, it, it falls into such a weird category because then you don't want the person who's been called out to cause himself any harm or any damage. And, but then you also don't want the person who's being trolled to do the same. So it, yeah. it's such a weird space to be living in. And you're so right that the, over the lockdown, I think I realised that social media can be a negative place and it can be a really, really weird place without even meaning to be. Yeah. You can just be sitting there scrolling, scrolling, scrolling and going, why am I looking at other people living their best life? But everyone's doing it. But, everyone but we is. don't think, we're, when we're in our own head, we're like, I'm the only person not living my life. But everyone's on their screens. Yeah, and it's funny that I had that, I had that thought. I had that, I'm the only person yeah. not doing X, Y, and Z, when realistically, everybody was not doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. But on the good side of things, though, with social media, the three bad days, the three really bad days that I had in, in lockdown, like really kind of dark days, I might have just posted, I'm having <clears throat> one of those days today. And the comments came, were beautiful and people were so nice and so friendly. So I really feel that it's so weird. Call out culture for me is a dangerous one. Okay. Because the likes of Marty Guilfoyle is not a predator. He's not in there. He's in there because it's an opportunity. He was in there because it was an opportunity for him. Yeah. Calling. Oh, I don't know. I, it's such it a. Hurts. It's such a weird. I've never even thought about it. That's. I'm. I'm raging. I didn't kind of have a good think about that. Now I'll have to yeah. come back to you and like let you know exactly. Absolutely. What I and feel. I literally only thought of it on my way in here. I was going to talk about something completely different. Yeah. And I was. I flicked to your Twitter and I saw the Martin Guilfoyle thing. And I had only heard about it on Saturday through a friend at brunch and then when I saw your mates with him that's the only reason so usually I would give kind yeah, of yeah no no it's fine and you know what this is the conversation that needs to happen so I'm sorry to the listeners yeah. for not having a clear and concise answer but I'm also not sorry the fact that I now get to go away and think about that and really find a good way because like I said the call out culture is great in one way and mm-hmm. I would probably do the same there's been people who said horrible things to me and I'll post it if it's behind a, a fake profile I'll happily post it and send my, my followers to them and go haha now Deal with them. Yeah. But also in a way, it can be so dangerous because you just you just don't know what's going on in that person's mental health. So if the likes of, and fair play to Marty, he posted something that somebody said about him and he, I think he reposted it again. And that person then completely retracted and completely apologized and said, I'm sorry, I was being a dick. I'm really, really sorry. Please take it down. And Marty covered their names, didn't cover their cover their faces, mm-hmm. didn't put anything up. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword. And I think yeah. it's a, it's a it's a sharp one. So yeah. you need to be really really careful and really really mindful. I think that answer is great in itself. But it, that that gives yeah. me a takeaway. That gives me a really big takeaway to think about things. Awesome. Like that. Um, I'm gonna give a little game. So I'm gonna say um, spell out lockdown, and if you can give me a word starting with the letter to do with the arts. Okay. Um. So L. L. Live. Oh. Oh my God, she's such a good drag queen. Yes, C. Come here and look at this good drag queen. <laughs> I love it, Kay. <laughs> Kay, yeah, she's a really good drag queen. <laughs> D. Don't even tell me she's not an amazing drag queen. <laughs> We've another O. Oh my God, did you hear what those people just said about that drag queen? <laughs> I love this. W. We should book that drag queen. Yes. And N. Nobody got time for that. <laughs> I'm that sorry was it wasn't amazing. Amazing. But no. I just <laughs> the, the great thing about it is people have done such different things and I'm like, that is the arts. Yeah. You know, that, that, it's, it's what creative. comes. Exactly. It's us being creative. I have just a couple of Instagram questions before I finish off with my final question. 
what has been like your main incentive to stay in the arts when the future is looking really uncertain? Um, to know that I'll get back onto the stage is one. And mm-hmm. to know I'll get to perform to audiences again and get to create. And because I love the creative process. Mm-hmm. And also to be able to give, to, to be a spearhead for my children who I teach to yeah. say, one day you could get up onto the stage and work as much as I do if you if you work hard. So that's my incentive to keep going. Even when obstacles are in the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. come here. I've, I've, I always said, I've been in an abusive relationship and I've lost my father. I can handle everything you fucking throw at me. Yes. Even a world pandemic. Even a world pandemic. Yes. And uh, did the impending doom, I just had to ask this question because I love impending, impending doom. Impending doom. Did the impending doom cause you to retract or step up to the challenge? Which I think is really interesting. We've kind of touched on Yeah. But I think it's interesting. I think, I think I did a bit of both. I think I retracted of fear. Yeah. And that fear turned into bravery and then I stepped up. Awesome. Beautiful. And before the absolutely final question, what do you think of the Canada Drag Race winner? Oh. Oh, I had to ask. Oh. <laughs> um, I think we live in a really, really amazing world that, like, her final her final look, her final outfit that she wore, I thought it brought goosebumps. I thought the final episode was the best episode. Yeah. Um, I do agree. She deserved it. If not her, it would have been Jimbo. Mm. But I do agree that to send a good message across the world, yes. that she really, really deserved that win. And I think that now, because she has a, she's a semblance of media as well, because I know she was a children's TV presenter. Yeah. So she, I feel like if anyone's going to use their platform to the best of their abilities and know what they're doing with it, although she has the booms, the cacks, the asses and all that sort of stuff, yeah. I think that she could be a really, really good person to... To teach people that need to be taught. And her approach. To and life. her approach. Yeah. yeah her, her approach to life. And we, we've never, we've never seen, we've never seen a winner like her. I know. It's amazing. Yeah. So and it's I, important during this time. That's it. I think that there was mass kind of people posting on social media that the, the three recent winners have been of a different, of a different, uh, colour descent far, like do you know what yeah. I mean and it's what we need in 2020 absolutely do you know what I mean and the final question why are the arts essential in your own words the arts are essential for not only just for the career of so many people but to let creative let creative people and let their creative lives live in whatever way shape form to inspire mm-hmm. the next generation the generation after that for me it's all about it's all about who's to come and yes. what we're showing out for them to try and beat us and to try and when we hang up our shoes for them to go I'm going to do that and I'm going to do it better yeah so I think it's about the next generation and about what we can give back to them amazing Paul Ryder thank you so much thank you so much I can't believe I cried I laughed I was like this Jesus Christ <laughs> I'm glad I could give you it's a been a whole weekend of emotions <laughs> thank you so thank much you. I am so delighted you came in Thank you, thank you for having me. And that's it. I'm hoping that through this podcast, these incredibly talented people can raise awareness for an industry that is so important to many and so dear to myself. Next time you pick up a book, get inspired by an article, have a dance around the kitchen to some music, or lose yourself in a film, spare a thought for the artists who show up every day for an industry that is essential to every single one of us. And let's keep the conversation going. Let's talk about the arts.
This podcast is presented by Tall Tales Podcasts. Tall Tales Podcasts have just launched their new platform, Broadcast by Tall Tales. You can access many shows for free over on this platform. Our free shows are created to start conversations and we believe those conversations should be accessible to all. However, if you are in a position to do so, we ask that you would consider supporting this podcast. Your support allows us to invest in future shows, further conversations and many more lols. So head over to broadcast.talltales.ie and show us your support.